Although he knew there was no offense involved, Hugo Altman was embarrassed by the Finnish habit of wrapping a table or bar top to attract the attention of a hotel waiter. It unnecessarily accentuated the servility needed to tend the wants of others, he thought, as he looked across the darkened lounge of the Hesperia Hotel in Helsinki to the customer now being served. But then, thought Altman, I wear the demeanor of servility like an overcoat on a cold day. That was probably why the practice distressed him. A sensitive man whose reluctant vocation was cruelty— Altman was constantly aware of the feelings of others, attuned to their behavior, like a violinist recognizing the chords necessary to create harmony, or, for Altman's purposes, disharmony. The custom hadn't offended the three men he had been watching for the past hour, he saw. They continued their intense discussion, heads just inches apart, hands in constant use around their faces, as if shielding the conversation. It was sad, and very amateurish, thought Altman, shaking his head. So they were discovered, and would suffer. Always suffering, he thought, his depression deepening. The fair-haired one in the middle of the group was the radio officer from the Russian liner Alexander Pushkin, and Altman had followed him since the man's disembarkation that morning. And never once had he been suspected, he knew. They were like children, he thought, involved in a game without knowing the rules. Only the penalty was adult. Under cover of the Helsinkin Sanomat, which lay rolled up on the table, he exposed the last frame of his infrared film in the Minox camera, scooped it and the newspaper into his arms, and stood up, checking the bill. Purposely, he left a large tip for the waiter at whom people tapped bar tops and left the lounge. He dispatched the developed prince to Moscow that night. Two months later, the naked body of the Russian officer was found jammed beneath one of the supports of New York's Pier 90. The Russians already knew who he was, so there was no need for them to inquire into his identity, and the CIA couldn't because the body had no head or fingers. The day after the discovery, Altman bought pictures of the cadaver from the photo sales department of the New York Daily News. They were important to him. He kept himself alive with such details. The completed dossier on the affair safe beneath his feet, Altman dozed contentedly that night behind the protection of eye-shades in the first-class section of the DC-10 returning him to Vienna. Seven hundred miles southwards, Traveling in the opposite direction, two men slept in equal contentment on an unscheduled military aircraft after concluding diplomacy in which the slumbering Austrian was so soon to become involved. Altmann had been so carefully selected for the role that even with his expertise he was unaware of the surveillance from the square-faced Slavic man sitting two seats behind. Detection would have been virtually impossible anyway because the unsleeping passenger was just one of an eight-man team whose observation had not begun until the handover from the previous watcher in the departure lounge of Kennedy Airport and would cease immediately he was superseded upon arrival in Austria. Ugo Altmann had become a person of consuming interest to one of the most powerful men in the Russian Presidium,
The man was determined, however, that Altman would not discover how important he was to them. Because, at this stage, the Russian was uncertain himself.